Good morning, everybody. So, if you'll turn in your Bible apps, I guess that's what we're doing. Look in your Bible app. Go to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Do you know what translation you guys are using right here? It's the ESV? Okay, good, good, good. That makes sense. No, it doesn't need to be changed. This is going to be just fine. It's going to be just fine. And a longer text like this is kind of funny. Um, in a longer text, I, I, part of me would like to, to read the Bible and then, and then comment as I go along. It's kind of funny. I was debating doing it. I was sitting right there, debating in my head. One of the reasons I find it hard to do that is in the tradition I come from, you are never permitted to mix your words in with God's words. Because <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> Nobody's supposed to ever confuse them. So, so I, I, I really love that tradition. I love that, that idea. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it. <laughs> and let's go to, let's go to uh, we're going to go to Joshua 24. Easy to find your Bibles because it's early on. And it's the sixth book of the Bible. And we're going to, take, we're going to begin in verse, um, in verse 11. And um, just a little background so that you're not completely lost. Uh, show of hands, how many people know who Joshua is in the Bible? How many people know who Joshua is? Okay, all right. You, all right. I'm just going to assess the familiarity of the, of the room. Okay, so let's... Now this is... One more little note. This is the end of Joshua's career. He's wrapping everything up. He's been leading for a long time. And you're going to hear it. He doesn't trust those people anymore. He doesn't trust, he doesn't trust that the people really love God. Well, you'll, you'll listen. Now, he's talking to them. He's talking as a prophet. He is speaking for God here. So listen to that. This is a covenant ratification, a big moment in the, in the, history, of the, church, of the history of God's people. And let's begin. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or or, or by your bow, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities you had not built, and you dwelt in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But, or and, it says here, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the, the river or the, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
For it is the Lord our God who brought us, us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and, and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And, and the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. And if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, well, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you're witnesses against yourselves <laughs> that you chose the Lord, chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem. Let's pray. Father, I ask for um, the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, and, and it's not for me, it's for every single one of us. We, we, we all stand in such a deep need. We need you to be the one who speaks to us. You're the one who, who, who removes misconceptions, who, who reveals your word to us. And not, not one of us in this room is capable of understanding unless you give it. So we seek it from you. And I, I pray that you would forgive the sins of the one who speaks because there are so many. In the name of Jesus, amen. One of the things I like to, this chapter, I like to compare it to Joshua 1. You, you, can, you can do it. When I'm speaking, I always tell people, you, if you find me boring and you can't pay attention, just read your Bible, that's fine. <laughs> you read Joshua 1, you'll see what I'm talking about. And so when Joshua first meets the people of God, Moses dies. He was the second in command under Moses for nearly 40 years. And, um, you know, he does this thing. He, uh, he meets the people, and, and it's really, really, really sweet. Joshua 1 is really sweet. God's really, really sweet with Joshua. He keeps telling him, be strong and courageous. He says, he says it like five or six times, be strong and courageous. And Joshua has a meeting with the people just like this. They're about to go into the land, and he meets with them all. And they have a back and forth just like this. But it's interesting, Joshua doesn't quiz him at the end. He doesn't do this, well, wait, are you sure? <laughs> are you? And something has changed from Joshua 1 to Joshua 24. Who, what's changed? Joshua's changed. <laughs> and I, I get it, I get it. Some of you are older. You change as you get older. <laughs> Your perspective on things changes as you get older. You're not, you know, as we get older, you're not as quick to just believe you know, what, what people say to you anymore. You've learned. You're a little jaded. And I hear, he's a little jaded here. He's, I, I always hit things, sorry. But he's a little jaded, isn't he? I mean, listen, do you listen to, did you hear that I play? Joshua doesn't seem to think that. And I guess when I was, I, I found myself reading this, and now I'm an old man. Well, I'm only 56, but it feels old to me. And I, and, I, and I realized that 
Here's funny. I realize I never understood this text. And, and I've learned, and, I, and, and so I, I want to kind of bring us to this, and I'm hoping today that we can, uh, we can learn from these people, and we can learn a couple things. There's three things I kind of want to jump in because I'm a pastor, and we only speak in threes. It's a rule. No, but seriously, the first thing I want to take a look at is, 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 is the story of grace. I don't know if you've heard it, but oh, it's funny how we can read the Bibles and we don't, we don't hear we don't hear that the idea that, that, that the entire story from Genesis to Revelation drips, it oozes, it, it oozes grace. It oozes the love of God. Jesus loves sinners. God loves sinners. And that's right here. It's right here. It's right here. But it goes a little further. And the second thing I want to look at is, this. remember when it says, choose this day who will serve? Making choices? Have you ever heard, have you ever heard somebody tell you, have you made a decision for Jesus? Decide for Christ today? You're going to make a decision? I used to, I used to really preach for a decision. Is that, is that appropriate? I wonder now. I wonder. I wonder. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the text says. And then finally, I want to look at all the empty ways that we frustrate grace. All the ways we squeeze grace and don't get any life out of it. <laughs> and the ways we're being invited to give life, get life from it. So let's, let's, see, where, let's see where we learn from it. And let's begin with the God who loves sinners. I just want to talk about how God loves sinners because that's the only reason I'm standing here. <laughs> it's because he loves sinners like me. He loves me in my ruin. Praise him. Did you hear the victorious, abundant, equipping grace of God? Did you hear it? What did he say? You didn't beat those kings. I beat them. Victory belongs to our Father. Don't you, I love this idea that he's out winning fights for the, for the people who don't love him, for sinners. His grace is a grace that brings us his victory. Praise him. It just drips. It's everywhere. It's, it, I, you know, it's funny when I first read this. I jumped right over that little section there. I just jumped right over it. But did you hear how deep the grace is? Did you hear how deep a picture it was supposed to be of how we love Jesus? Because not only did you not win, you didn't build your own homes. You didn't, in other words, you didn't build anything that you saved you. And you don't even feed yourselves. I feed you, says the Lord, right? You didn't even plant the vineyards. You're being fed by my hands. What's that a story of? What's the, what are they supposed to hear? What are they supposed to know? What pattern are they supposed to see? We can see it more clearly through Jesus, but what are they supposed to know? God loves sinners. God has loved them when they did not love him back. That's the story. That's the story that Joshua is reading. He sees it in front of him, right? Look what God has done. Look what a salvation he has created for you. Complete from beginning to end. In Jesus, right? Or... In the promised land, take, they're both they're images of one another, right? They, they, the promised land is a picture of the, of the salvation of Jesus. Now, the first thing that jumps out at me here is how much we need the Holy Spirit to teach us pattern recognition. You know, like, this is just, so we can see the pattern. So, you know, it's interesting. You know, with the sacrificial system, cutting a little animal open every day, Every day, blood all over the altar. Every day, every day, it's like a slaughterhouse. Every, what's that? It's a pattern. What's the pattern there? God brings life out of death. 
God brings your life out of the death of something else. God brings life out of death. God said, you see, there's patterns, deep patterns in the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit to show us those patterns, don't we? The only reason I saw the grace of this text is because Jesus has been teaching me about grace. And we can't see grace unless he shows it to us. We are too eager to, 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 to say, no, we won, or, or to say, no, we drove the Amorites out, or no, we, we, uh, or, no, we built our homes, or no, we, we secured the way God loves it. No, you didn't. Can you recognize patterns today? Could you tell me a story right now, a pattern where you say, oh, God proved how much he loved me by showing me grace greater than all my sin. <laughs> I make a joke that I'm the most honest man I know, but I'm still a liar. I'm the most honest man I know, I'm still a liar. And I am very honest for a pastor. And one thing the ministry teaches you is how to be a good liar, trust me. Preachers are some of the best liars you'll ever meet. The job trains you. By God's grace, I want to get rid of all those lies as much as possible. My first, in my church in Atlanta, I was, we were doing a fundraising campaign. And, um, and, and fundraising campaigns are dreadful and ugly business, right? And we had seen so little come in. One of the business leaders of Atlanta, oh, he's very elegant, very, very well, very, very um, powerful man, very wealthy. And he said, oh, Chris, I heard you're doing a building campaign. And I was like, oh, how'd you hear about that, Jim? He's like, oh, yeah. And I don't know how we get heard. We were doing and he said, so how much money have you raised? And I was embarrassed. Being embarrassed is one of the only times I will lie. You do, you do, you do that. I just, I lied. And this is what I said. We, we raised 300000 And the minute I said it, I could, I, out of my mouth, I, I couldn't grab it back. I couldn't like pull it back in. I just said it to this guy. And, and I, the meeting's over and I'm like, and I'm so ashamed now. Do you have that feeling, that red face, like I just want to crawl into a corner and die kind of feeling? Like, oh my goodness, what have I done feeling? Like I go to my elders to confess my sin. So 30,000, I exaggerated by a factor of 10. <laughs> 300,000. That was, that was in about November of that year. November to, and that was in the fall of that, of, that, of that particular year, 2006. In April 1st of 2007, we were given a gift for $3 million to buy the building. So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What did he do to me? He said, now my grace is 10 times greater than your sin. Praise him. That's, the, that's what they're not getting. You see it? That's what they're not, that's not what, they, they don't see it. They don't see it. We need God's grace to see it, don't we? Grace greater than all our sin. God loves sinners. That's Let's go a step further, though. Let's see how he loves sinners. Let's see. There's a nature to God's grace which is greater than you have thought. It's more, I'm going to put it this way. It's majestic. God's grace is majestic. Now, I, I misread this text for years. And read, read careful with me. Take a look at, with me at verse, take a look at me in verse uh, uh, 14. 
He's just told them the story of God's grace, and this is what he says to them. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness, and put away your gods. Now, how many of you have heard this, choose this day who will serve? How many have heard that before? Choose this day whom you will serve. That's from this text, right? But notice, Joshua does not say, choose God or choose idols. He doesn't say that. He says, if you don't serve God, go out and choose your idols. I want you to follow this, y'all. Follow this a little bit. Follow this with me. (laughs) Getting to make a choice, being the sovereign choice maker, is the heart of our sinful pride. Don't you get that? I didn't get it. In this text, they're being rebuked by Joshua, and he's saying this. You better serve God. I happen to think you won't. But if you're not, that's where choices come in. So choose away. You know what's interesting about that? That's exactly the tack that the devil takes with Eve, isn't it? Oh, oh, God has given you everything. He didn't give you that one tree. Don't you think it looks good? And what did he ask? He invited Eve, what he invites, what the enemy invites John to today. And me and all one of us just go, don't you want to take a good look at what God says and take a good look at what you think and figure out which one you want? No. No. You know, we're not permitted to sit there and take a good, good look at God's mercy and figure out whether it's a mercy we like. You know what's interesting to me? God is not registered to vote. He's not interested in the political process that we value so deeply where I say I'm free because I can choose this candidate or that candidate. A lot of times as Americans we say I'm, I'm free because I can pick this up and I can put it down. I make choices all the time. Look at me choose. I'm a great chooser. You should see my Amazon. Of course I'm a great chooser. I can choose all. I do great research, though. I make sure my choices are well-researched. Don't you all do that? Satan lies to Eve that she can be the sovereign chooser of her life. Satan is saying the same lie in this generation and is bringing this lie to the American church. You can choose this day whom you will serve. No, you can't. (laughs) Fall on your face before A magnificent, majestic grace. Amen? You know what this this brings up? An old principle that a lot of us have never heard in this generation. And it's an old biblical principle. How many of you have done this? You're like, like, well, you know, I really want to find out what God's will is and and, and so I can figure out how to do it. I, I want to figure out God's will. And then, a lot of times we're doing this. We're like, when I, I want to figure out God's will so I can figure out what I want to do. Do you hear how, hear how crooked that is in your head? Uh, you know. So the old principle is this. You are supposed to go to God and say, whatever you say, I will do it. Now, what do you want me to do? You're not supposed to go, what, do you want, uh, what is it that you're looking for me to do so I can figure out if I'm going to do it or not? You see what I mean? Like, they're completely different. One is submission to the majesty of a grace 
that loved you when you did not love him back. I mean, who would not fall on their face before such an... That's one, that's, that's it. Or be a chooser. Be your little sovereign self, making your own decisions about your body or your sexuality or your life or your money or your choices. Tell me, how's it been going? Tell me, how are your choices been going? Anybody happy with the choices they make today? No, we're not, are we? All this sovereignty, all this choice that this generation gives us, and we're more unhappy than ever. Because to be free is not to have choices. To be free is to be what God made you to be. <laughs> I want to be free, don't you? And I was, you and I were sold, we were sold a cheap imitation. We were sold a cheap copy. We were sold rebellion. We were sold that freedom meant we got to choose for ourselves what we do. No, no. The freedom of the Holy Spirit is a freedom for me, for you, for us to be everything God made us to be. Praise Him. That's real freedom. We, we were lied to. We were cheated. Let's go back to the Scriptures, right? Let's go back to and fall in worship and adoration before a majestic grace. Finally, yeah, I... I hope this feeds your heart. If it's been feeding my eyes, I, kind of, I, I tend to, I have a, I'm a very, very slow learner. And I, so I have to, I, especially spiritual truths, I take a very long time. And so the reason I wanted to preach on this again was just so I could be in this text again because I loved this teaching. It feels delicious to me. I just want to eat it. <laughs> I, want, I want this in me. I want, to be, I want to be alive with this, right? This idea of God's majestic grace having sovereign power in the world. You know what I pictured? You know that scene you know, that Jesus describes of there will be many on that day who will say to me, hey, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do all this stuff in your name? And what will he say to those people? Go away. Go away. I don't know who you are. I don't know you. I don't know you like that. I don't know you. I pictured these people. I pictured this crowd. What would they have said? What would they say? What are they going to say in that, in that, before the throne room? You'll be there. You, you, every one of you will have to appear before my heavenly Father. You will. I have no choice. You'll appear there. I picture them saying, well, wait a second, wait a second. We, we said the right words. We said the right words, God. Did you notice how good the words were? Uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 25 and 26, they go on and on about all these things are going to serve God and how they're going to work. They, they say all the right words. And there's going to be people before God's throne, standing, maybe standing right next to you, are going to be like, I said the right words. Guess what? Jesus will say to that person, I don't know you. Go away. What's another thing these people might say to me? Might say to me, say to God, I mean, say to God in that throne room. We made good resolutions. We made the best resolution that we were going to be a better person for you. Hey, doesn't that count for, don't I get an A for effort? No, depart from me. I never knew you. What's the last person? The last 
I think, defense they would make. This is the one I hear Christians do all the time. Quote Christians. I fit God in my life. I included you, God. What is God going to say to that? Thank you. Thanks for including me. No. In his majesty, what will he say? I was to be the center and the beginning and the end of everything you were. You included me. Am I supposed to, be, am I supposed to feel complimented that you included me? No, I am the king, and I included you. <laughs> right? Now, those, those include all the ways that you could possibly not even know God this morning, like sitting here in front of me. You possibly could be making one of those mistakes, saying, I say the right words, I resolve to be a better person, I, I, I've included God in my life, and I want you, you to hear how God challenges these, these scriptures challenge these things, that that's not, serve, that's not submission, that's not surrender, right? That's not being in love with Jesus. They're having faith. Just to encourage you, think about it. You know, maybe you're not going to commit those crimes, but we all frustrate God's grace. We all kind of dial out of God's grace when we bootstrap our lives. Anybody, any bootstrappers here? Anybody who really loves to like really try really hard to put yourself together? Usually lasts for a couple weeks for me. I'm good for two, three weeks of really being, you know, good about exercise and diet, and I just got to be. We don't have to bootstrap, do we? We've been given the grace of the kingdom. How many of you worry? Have you ever worried that maybe you'll say the wrong word in prayer? You ever seen that? I remember one, one of my churches, an elderly woman in her 80s came to me and she said, Pastor, I, don't, I think I'm going to hell. I said, why? I said, I said, F the Holy Spirit. She was dead serious. I just love to tell her about grace right there. Right? Yes. God loves sinners. He loves you in your ruin and your shame. Don't don't be caught up in the mechanical words, you know. It's about a living, loving person that you know, not formulas for prayer or, you know, and all the weird things that come into your head. Finally, I just have this sense of just not, you know, getting away from bootstrapping, getting away from the mechanical idea, and really this idea of, uh, of you know, look, you can't make God the center of your life. You, did you, you realize that, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's interesting to me that in this story, Joshua goes, you all aren't going to do this. And anybody who really loves God and really knows mercy would say right at that point, and you'll join me at this table, we go to communion to say, amen. <laughs> I can't do it. You are a holy and a jealous God. And when, when Joshua says you can't do it, he, without even meaning to, without even intending to, by the Holy Spirit, is anticipating and predicting the need for Jesus, isn't he? It's all the need for grace. You can't do it. You won't do it. He must do it. So I'm thinking today, will you join me? Let's ask God, let's ask our Father to do whatever it takes to drive his grace into our hearts. I mean, whatever, pray that with me. You'll do, Father, 
Father, do what, take whatever you must take. Get a hold of me. Direct my heart to you in faithfulness and sincerity and love. and Fill me with your grace. I love the idea that I don't even need to begin. I can actually go to God and say, can you help me to begin to begin to be a Christian? <laughs> what a wonderful Savior. What a total and wonderful grace. So, Joshua had gotten jaded. He had gotten older. He, you know, he, didn't, he didn't believe those folks anymore. One of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older as a pastor, there's a cynicism. You know, there's like a, a cynicism just waiting for me, almost kind of like a, I mean, I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. I'm, I'm, I get angry. I get frustrated with our Heavenly Father. I don't understand God's plans. Why is the church not flourishing in this age? Why is the gospel so powerless? Why are you turning away? You know, all these things come to my heart, and I accuse myself. I think it's all my fault because I'm such a terrible person. All this garbage comes through. And I want you to pray for me because, like Joshua, I, I, mean, I, I want to I end by preaching grace. You know, at the end of my life, I don't want to become cynical. I want to fall more deeply in love again with grace. <laughs> and, I, and you know what? I, Jesus is doing that. He's been showing me grace again. And, and how, and how I, I don't know, it's, I'm really thankful. And um, this is the work of God that we need in this generation. So let's, let's, let's pray.